When I was a child growing up in South Carolina, my mother was the music director at a church that found great value by inviting different members to come forward and give their personal testimonies. And I can tell you that in this little church, when the minister handed over the microphone, it was like opening Pandora's box. You never, and I mean never, knew what was going to come out of someone's mouth. And on more than one occasion, I can remember watching this pastor attempt to pry the microphone out of someone's hands. And as crazy as those evenings were, as a child, I was unaware of the significant role that these personal testimonies would have in my own formation. And now looking back as an adult, I've come to really value the power of personal stories in the church. I believe that each one of us has a unique story, and each one of us has a personal testimony. There's an organization called the Center for Sacred Story, which believes that it's in the telling of stories that we reveal what we hold dear and who we are. And it's by listening to each other's stories that we grow in understanding about the other, the world, and ourselves. It's in that momentary insight, that fragile understanding, that we come to hope or even delight in the possibilities for social harmony and a common good. And so like all of us, I have a personal story that I find intertwined with our readings today. Each year as the anniversary of September 11th, 2001 approaches, I am reminded of my story. The events that happened on that day changed the world as we know it. And I believe that the shock and horror that we all experienced on that day was universal. But that event changed the course of my own life. After graduating from college that year, I joined the armed forces looking to retaliate. A strong sense of retribution and vengeance clouded my judgment from ever entertaining that there could be an alternative solution. And it took a lot of painful experiences before I could understand the truth in today's reading from 1 Timothy. In today's reading, Paul had reached a point in his life where he could say, I am grateful for all that Christ has done in my life, even though I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and a man of violence. I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief, and the grace of God overflowed me with faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. I can relate to the reading in 1 Timothy because in a lot of ways, Paul's story is also my story. As a former blasphemer, persecutor, and a man of violence myself, I too acted ignorantly in unbelief. It's because I believed that violence was truly the solution. I believed in vengeance. I believed in payback. And now looking back, I believe that my point of view was wrong. Personal experience has a way of teaching lessons that cannot be learned in a classroom. And with recent developments this week, I hear eerily familiar rhetoric being used by the media in regards to the current situation in Syria. And so when I hear that, I can't help but be reminded that they are more than just words. 
These decisions have real consequences. They may not affect our day-to-day life, but the effect that they have for those on the receiving end is very real. Personal experience reminds me that words like surgical strike may sound like a simple medical procedure, but they are far from it. We hear phrases in the media like softening up a target. I've seen what it means to soften up a target. And I remember what a community looks like after it's been softened up. And I can assure you that there is nothing soft about it. We become desensitized by phrases like collateral damage. There's not a day that goes by where I'm not reminded of what that phrase really means. Collateral damage is the damage associated with or from a surgical strike. And while they may be unintended consequences, collateral damage often results in the loss of life or a lifetime of severe pain for many innocent people. The word collateral damage desensitizes us to the harsh reality of what happens when the innocence of a child is decimated in an instant. We must not forget that those on the receiving end are people, just like you and just like me. I reached a point where I realized that I had bought into a system that was no longer sustainable. I got sucked into believing a myth. I became convicted of this when I was introduced to the writing of a theologian named Walter Wink. Wink is well known for developing a theory known as the myth of redemptive violence. His theory focuses on the repetitive nature of violence as a means of conflict resolution. In his book, The Powers That Be, Wink says that, in short, the myth of redemptive violence is the story of victory of order over chaos by means of violence. And throughout his writing, Wink's premise is based on his belief that the myth of redemptive violence is the simplest, laziest, most exciting, uncomplicated, irrational, and primitive depiction of evil the world has ever known. And after my participation in armed conflict, I agree with him. When we look at our reading from Exodus today, what I believe we find is is an example of emotions that may be familiar to all of us from time to time. In our reading today, we are presented with a scenario in which God seems to exhibit very human and very natural reactions when angry. Through a series of events that took place, God had become angry and seemed ready to wipe out his own people. Our text from Exodus attributes God as saying, Now leave me alone, so that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them. Now when the circumstances are right, involving cases like September 11th, or the use of chemical weapons, I think this is a natural first reaction. But in the end, we must ask ourselves if it's the right decision. I believe the real message contained within our reading occurs when Moses intervenes. Moses was aware of God's anger in the moment, but thankfully was able to disarm the situation. It was Moses who opened the door to peace through dialogue. 
In our reading, we find Moses recalling God's own promises where it states, Moses implored God to turn away from fierce wrath and implored God to change your mind. Do not bring disaster on your own people. In this reading from Exodus, what we find is that dialogue and open communication were the key to peace and understanding. And it was Moses' willingness to engage in the more difficult task of seeking a peaceful alternative that led to the final outcome where our text states, And the Lord changed his mind about the disaster that he planned to bring on his people. I wish desperately that individuals and nations of the world would change their mind about the disasters that we inflict on each other. In an age in which technology allows us to communicate on a global scale at the speed of light, I wish the nations of the world would begin to truly harness the power of dialogue and of open communication. I wish the repetitive cycle of violence that has repeated itself throughout history would stop being looked to as our first choice in conflict resolution. I think our psalm today gives us an example of what that could look like. From the psalmist today, we, we see the acknowledgement of one who realizes that their past ways and actions were made in error. We find the psalmist confessing the error of one's ways after searching for truth deep within themselves. And from a place deep within, the psalmist knows that there is a better way and that there is an alternative. We find the psalmist asking for God's mercy and to be shown the right path. And in the end, we find the psalmist saying, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. It's weeks like this when we remember what happened 12 years ago on September 11th or what happened a year ago this week in Benghazi, and now as our nation debates whether we should strike Syria. It's weeks like this where I'm reminded that the decisions that we make personally and as a nation have real consequences for real people. And I can no longer buy into the myth of redemptive violence because there is not a day that goes by when I am not reminded of the reality of what occurs through surgical strikes and through softening up targets and through collateral damage. I have no idea where my life and ministry will take me or whose path I may cross in the process. But I've realized in many cases that ministry can become obsessed with numbers. Average Sunday attendance, number of confirmed, received, Etc. But when I look at today's gospel, it gives me hope to know that success is not always defined by large numbers. Today's gospel reveals that a single digit can define success. In today's parable, we heard about the 100 sheep and the one who was lost. We heard of the great lengths that the owner goes to find that one lost sheep. And we also see the great joy that is experienced by all when that one lost sheep is found. And so a lot of ways, that story is also my story. By believing the myth that violence was the solution to our problems for many years, I was that lost sheep 
And that myth led me on a path of wandering aimlessly in the wilderness. But I also know the joy of what it's like to be found. And I find great comfort knowing that while I may have wandered far off, God was actively seeking to bring me back home. And so out of my experiences, I'm not ashamed to say that the gospel saved my own life. Out of my experiences, I'm not ashamed to say that my life was transformed by Jesus' message of peace. Now, earlier I said that each one of us has a unique story. Each one of us has a personal testimony. And I would encourage all of us to begin sharing our stories with one another, because it's in the telling of stories that we reveal what we hold dear and who we are. It's by listening to each other's stories that we grow in understanding about the other, the world, and ourselves. And it's in that momentary insight, that fragile understanding, that we come to hope, even delight, and the possibilities for social harmony and a common good. Amen.